Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. It is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, unfortunately, but I hope it does after this morning. It's, uh, It's one of those holidays that gets omitted uh, a lot like, uh, I don't know, it's not like Christmas, uh, I've said this before, I say this pretty well every, every Pentecost, if uh, somebody goes, oh, what are you doing for Christmas, Pastor Ed? If I said, oh, nothing, well, we'll find another church, thank you. <laughs> and uh, Easter comes around, what are you doing for Easter? You got a special message? Nah, just Easter. Oh, I think we'll find another, <laughs> another church, Pastor Ed. Pentecost comes around, it's like, kind of like a speed bump for a lot of churches and a lot of people. They don't understand the impact and exactly the significance of Pentecost. In particular, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? We hear that all the time whenever I get introduced as a pastor. I'm, uh, I go to sometimes to pastors' meetings, conferences, that kind of thing, and, and I go, so what are you? You know, well, we're ACC, which is Australian Christian Churches, uh, former, formerly AOG, and, uh, but they'll ask, so you're Pentecostal? And it's like, well, yeah, I am. But what does that mean to you? So I asked that question at the minister's fraternal. It's interesting because we're getting together tonight with uh, some of the other churches. And they wouldn't say that they're Pentecostal, but they'd say that we are. But what does it mean? Just exactly what does being Pentecostal mean and what is the significance of this day today, which most Churches and Christendom isn't celebrating, I might add. What, is it, what does it really mean? Well, I'm glad that you asked and you're here uh, this morning. It's going to be a good morning for you to find out at least some of what it means to be Pentecostal. Uh, I, I, I would love to take you on a very quick journey of Pentecost. Pentecost actually started way back about 3,600 years ago. You think, whoa, really? Yeah, 3,600 years ago. Uh, the Jews, Israel, actually celebrated something uh, the very first time they celebrate, looking back to what happened 50 days, because Pentecost actually means 50. 50 days after Israel left Egypt, 50 days after the Passover uh, was celebrated in Egypt and the the death angel flew over. I'm trying not to get uh, too much detail here because some of you are fairly new Christians, I'd imagine, and like, what the heck is he talking about? Trying to keep it simple this morning, but about 3,600 years ago, Israel left Egypt. They were slaves there in the land of Egypt. They, uh, they were finally released by Pharaoh. You might remember uh, from your history the pyramids in Egypt and Pharaoh and all of that. And they end up 50 days later after getting out of Egypt to a mountain called Sinai. And Moses is called to go up the mountain. He goes up there, he receives what we would know today as the Ten Commandments and uh, that, uh, that God had written on stone tablets. And, and during this time, the rest of the camp is down below. They get tired of waiting on Moses, so they decide to construct a golden calf. Uh, they make an idol for themselves. God's not happy about that. But Moses doesn't know what that is till he comes down the mountains. As he's coming down, he hears celebration, thinks, oh, they're having a party. This is good, but finds out later that they're actually celebrating around this golden calf that they made. And 3,000 people died there at the base of the mountain during that time. I want you just to uh, kind of put that in the back of your memory. 3,000 people died. On that mountain, and it's very significant in Exodus chapter 19, in fact, we'll just read about that there's something amazing that happened on that day. Remember, this is 3,600 years ago from now, but it's uh, 1,600 years before the day of Pentecost that most of us think of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But Exodus 19, 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, it's the third day that they've been camping there, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain." And a very loud trumpet blast. I used to play the trumpet in grade school, 
And you got to get your lips toughened up to play the trumpet. I don't know if anybody else played an instrument like that. Trombone would have been probably even worse. But, you know, you got to pucker pretty hard and blow really hard to get that sound out. And uh, I think about this particular trumpet blast. It doesn't say that it was Gabriel, but he's kind of known as being God's trumpeter. And and so I kind of picture Gabriel blowing this big trumpet, very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. It was so loud that they all trembled from it. And then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. Verse 19. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And Moses answered him. I I love that because there's something about sound coming out of a trumpet in this particular thing. The whole mountain shook. The people was deafening. And, and, and the people knew what this meant. In, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, also called the Pentateuch, the trumpet sounding is a sound to assemble. It's for the Israelites to gather, to assemble, for war, to advance the cause. And it's, it's this sound that God ushers in something that we would know now as the nation of Israel because they had no law, and every nation has to have a law. So the lawgiver, Moses, gives them the law during this time, and they are officially a nation. Peter was to write in uh, 1 Peter uh, 2, I think it is, way 2,000 years after this event, he's to write that you are a holy nation. You're, You're a priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation. And that was after Pentecost, as we know it, in Acts chapter 2, they became a nation during this time. We became a nation 2,000 years after this on the day of Pentecost. Now, I am reminded for, for all the uh, typology and symbolism and everything that's, that's in this, and it's loaded up, when you read Acts chapter 2, and we will in a moment, if you're familiar with what happened on Sinai 50 days again after, after Passover, if you're familiar with what happened... It should be a big reminder, like, where have I read something like this before? Where, where, did, where did God des- descend f- on a mountain? Uh, where where, where did, did this loud sound come from? Where, where did fire and, and all of these things? This is so familiar, and it should be. And the Israelites would have known this some 1,600 years after this event here. And, and I think about all that the Pentecost represents, and I don't want to get bogged down this morning with the history of it, but uh, 1,600 years later on Acts chapter 2, we'll read this now. When the day of Pentecost, and this is what they're celebrating, you got to remember this, this was a, uh, it was punctuated in their calendar, in the Jewish calendar, that they celebrated this for 1,600 years after that event, they celebrate this day of Pentecost. So, all the Jews from all over the place, and we'll see they're from what's modern-day Turkey and uh, Iran, northern Iran and, and southern Iran, all, all of these countries, Egypt, Asia, all over the world, the Jews come together to celebrate what happened way back then when they came out of Egypt, 50 days after that. So on the day of Pentecost, they're all together in one place, on a mountain. This mountain is Mount Zion. The other one was Mount Sinai. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Notice it was a sound, not wind itself. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven, uh, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, wind didn't fill the house, but the sound filled the house. Notice where it came from, from heaven. Suddenly, a blowing uh, sound from heaven comes It fills the house where they're sitting. Now, again, I played the trumpet, not very well, but not a lot of wind came out of the trumpet itself, but the sound could be deafening. Uh, Neighbors didn't like it. It's like, oh, our son's got a drum kit. He's going to be practicing in the garage or someplace. Get ready for some complaints. 
There's not a lot of wind coming out of the trumpet, but there's a sound coming out of the trumpet. The reason there's not a lot of wind coming out of the trumpet is because there's resistance. And that resistance in the instrument is what causes that noise to come out uh, of the end of that horn and not uh, this wind. If if there's a a lot of wind, it's because there's no resistance. And I like to think about ourselves in Pentecost, and I think, how, how much resistance are you putting up to the things of God? <laughs> Some people are like a lot of noise. They, they make a lot of noise. They got a lot of wind. <laughs> but there's not a lot of power. Pentecost is about power. We're going to see that. But this blowing of the violent wind, uh, the sound of that, and then what seemed to be, look, listen to this, what seemed to be tongues of fire. This is the, the, the way it was described separated and came and rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, we're going to see that this is actually languages. There's dialecto, which is the dialect of all these people from all over the world. They, they spill out into the street. They could hear them speaking the goodness of God, the praises of God in their own, not just their own language, like we'd say English, but uh, their own dialect, whether it's England or Aussie or America or whatever. They, they could hear them speaking in their own dialect. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together and bewildered it because each one heard their own language being spoken. Oh, isn't it good that God speaks your language? Isn't it good that God actually understands you? I, I, I find that so comforting. Now, it tells who was there, Egypt, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, converts to Judaism. Uh, but look what they're declaring, the wonderful works of God in their own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, I guess so, what does this mean? And that's the question that I pose this day of Pentecost. What does this mean? Well, what exactly does it mean to be Pentecostal? Now, we're in uh, week two of a series I've called Identify Yourself. We're looking at the importance of identification and, and knowing who you are. We talked about labels last week, and labels cover up who you really are. We wear labels to represent us, but if we're not careful, those labels will actually cover the real you. When we're looking at Pentecost, I don't want Pentecost to ever become a label so that somebody can label me. Oh, yeah, you're one of those crazy people that does weird stuff. That's what you are. I've labeled you now. I get it. Move out of my way. Pentecost must never become just a lot of noise, a lot of air, just another label. It's it's far more than, it's not any of that. And yet manifestations have meaning. If we were to dive in and really teach this morning, we could go back and we could look at what the smoke, the fire, the sound, uh, all of that has, uh, has meaning. It's not that manifestations don't have meaning. Manifestations are very, very significant. However, for the sake of this morning, I don't really want to dive in and teach too much more than what I already am. But they ask the question, what does it mean? I love verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them (laughs) and said, you've had too much wine. I kind of like being Pentecostal and being known as Pentecostal I used to, it used to get me, I, I'll be honest with you, when, when I, I didn't want to kind of tell people what kind of church we were and what I was pastoring because I, I knew they're going to make fun of me. And you got to have a bit of a thick hide to follow God. Anybody else notice that? What'd you do on the weekend? Oh, yeah, I went to the beach and had some fun. I went to church. Oh, you what? What did you mumble? <laughs> you went to church? You're, are you religious? But to go Pentecost and Pentecostal, it's a, next, it's a next level of admitting what you did on the weekend. I, I like to think that we would wear it proudly. And I, I got to ask this question, and I, I'd love to unpack it in further detail. I haven't passed messages on Pentecost, but if you're not Pentecostal, what are you? Then what are you? Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm Baptist. I'm, uh, I'm Presbyterian. I'm United Church. I'm 
if, 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 if Christmas wouldn't have happened, what we celebrate as Christmas, in other words, Jesus wasn't born in the manger. You know, Christmas, Jesus is born, and, and one of the great scriptures or titles of Jesus is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. So as long as he was with them, they had God in their world. It was good. The disciples had it really good because they got to hang with God for the whole three and a half years that he's walking uh, in his ministry. They got to hang with Jesus, God with us. But then God wasn't with them. You say, what? What do you mean? Well, well, he died on a cross. We celebrate that Good Friday. He rose from the dead. In other words, he goes back to heaven. So he's not walking with them anymore on the shores of Galilee. In fact, for 40 days, they don't have God with them, Emmanuel, anymore. They're lost. They're, well, for 40 days, he kind of pops in. There's about 11 times where he, he pops in and eats a meal, walks through walls, does some cool things, and then he pops out again. So they kind of got God with them whenever he decides to appear uh, but then after that 40 days, he says this. He says, go to Jerusalem and wait there. Wait for the promise that I've given you. This promise is, is something that Jesus talks about a, a lot. John 14 and other scriptures that I, when I go away, it's better for you because if I don't go away, then the comforter is not going to come. This comforter, this Holy Spirit, the teacher, the counselor, the paraclete in the Greek, the one that sticks closer than, than anybody, says, I'm sending another of the same kind, and it's better for you if I go away. It's better for you if there's not Emmanuel, God with us. It's better for you when this Holy Spirit comes. Scratching their head, they're thinking, I don't get it. Do you get it, John? No, I don't get it either. Do you get it, James? No, Peter? No, nobody gets it. What's he talking about? I don't know. But we're supposed to go there and wait. The 40-day finishes. They go to an upper room on a mountain. They're waiting in that upper room. There's 120 of them. There's the brothers of Jesus. Mary's there. and All the disciples, save one Judas, he's gone. Unfortunate circumstances took him out, but... Uh, they're all up there in the upper room. They're there for 10 days because the 40 plus 10 equals 50, which is Pentecost. They're 10 days waiting in an upper room. Uh, we've had some prayer meetings here that have lasted all night where we would not, not so much in this building, however, we used to in the, in the uh, warehouse that we had before that that we rented. We'd have an all-night prayer meeting, and uh, we'd go 24 hours. We are going to pray and wait on God for 24 hours. So bring your pillow, bring whatever you're planning on, you know, lying down, because that's a long time to pray. And was it ever? Like we would seriously, we'd pray around the clock. And uh, what an amazing time. But the tendency was, just from one 24-hour period, the tendency was to do something because this is boring. Waiting on God. Nothing's going on. Where is this? When is he going to show up? They kind of didn't twig on them that he was actually going to show up on the day of Pentecost, on the 50th day from, from, from what we'd celebrate as Easter, from when Jesus went and died on the cross and rose from the dead. That day, uh, it's also called the Feast of Weeks because it's seven weeks in a day after Jesus rose from the dead, technically the Passover, uh, but uh, that's another story. So they're waiting, waiting, waiting. And Peter, Peter gets tired of, he's, it's the first day, in fact. He doesn't even leave it. He's kind of like, this is in Acts chapter 2. And he gets up and he goes, hey, we have to find a replacement for Judas. And, and let's just see who God wants to replace Judas with. So they come up with a criteria. They get two people that uh, are going to, in the running, to get elected and so they, they do what's the equivalent of rolling dice to choose a replacement out of the two people that they picked. He, he has these scriptures. I've gone back and read them in the Psalms as to why they need to pick a replacement for Judas, none of which Jesus said to do, I might add. 
But he's just impatient. Waiting on God. Nothing's going on. We want something to manifest here. Anybody ever been there in their life? You're praying? It's like, ah, what time is it? Oh, is it television? There's something coming on TV in a few minutes. Reading your Bible. I love probably one of the greatest ideas, one of the greatest ideas, we don't really give it much credence, and it's called the before and after photo. And this, you'll see this everywhere. Before the diet, here they are. They go on the man's shake or the girl's shake or whatever diet. And then, of course, we're selling the shake. So we got the after photo. Man, look at that. Before going to the gym. After photo, going to the gym. Before the home renovation show, which my, my lovely wife loves, this is what it looked like. Now let's have the reveal. I'm saying, hey, Gail, can we watch the news or something? No, the, the reveal's on. The reveal's coming up. It's only a few minutes. I want to watch the reveal. What she said, I want to see the after photo of this. And I, and I see what's going on here with Peter. And it's, it's still the before photo because the Holy Spirit has not come. God's not really in the room with them because he's already been ascended. He's rose from the dead. He spent 40 days with them. Now he's back in heaven. They got 10 days there, almost like before Jesus was born in the manger. They're getting impatient here for something that they don't know. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we roll the dice and pick somebody? What is Pentecost? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? One thing, you don't, you don't, you're not relying on luck anymore in your life. You don't have to roll the dice anymore to find out God's will. There's something about Pentecost. There's a before picture here. There's an after picture. I, I think about uh, Saul, his name was. Before that, he's persecuting the church. He is mad king religion. He is passionate about persecuting this, this group called the way that we would call Christians the church. That's his before photo. He has an encounter with God. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. His after photo, whoo, man, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. These letters are incredible. Paul, before Paul, Saul, and after. I think about Peter. He's called Reed. Simon means Reed. He's, he's a, a, a Reed blowing in the wind. He's, he's impetuous Peter. Even on the day of Pentecost, when he gets up and rolls the dice to choose a, a, a follower of Jesus, somebody to replace Judas. But the after picture is Peter gets up after Pentecost, he preaches, and 3,000 people get saved. I think about the first uh, Pentecost back in Sinai again when God hits that mountain. 3,000 people die from disobedience on the day of Pentecost here on another mountain. Peter, his after photo, gets up and 3,000 people get saved. Talk about power. What's the before photo of your life look like? What's the before photo of Emmanuel when you found Jesus? For me, <laughs> pretty dark, to be honest. Partying my way through life, looking for the weekend, baby. Going to drink some brewskis, going to go to the club, going to have some fun, kick up my heels, look out Las Vegas. But miserable me. On the inside, anything but happy. Drowned it all, smoke it all. That was me before photo, Ed. But then I asked Jesus into my heart, and I started going to church, but I was, there was still something. I don't know. It's like, well, I feel good sometimes when I'm singing the hymns in the Presbyterian church and, uh, you know, kind of listening to self-help messages, to be quite honest. <laughs> and there's something missing. I went away from God, dark, dark ages. Went away from God for quite a while and thinking, I don't know what's missing. And then somebody on the television, a TV preacher, thank God for television preachers. Oh, everybody's bagging them and all the rest of it. Television evangelist, it's terrible. Well, as a TV evangelist, 
that basically told me about this Holy Spirit, that I could be filled with the very Spirit of God, the very presence of God Himself. On the day of Pentecost, God sent His Spirit into the world called the Holy Spirit, not an it, not some kind of a force like energy or electricity like some would preach, but his very person came into the world, came into that room where 120 hungry people were praying and interceding, and he filled the room, and he filled each one of them too, and continues today to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. So when Peter gets up and he reminds them of what, what has happened there, the significance of this, which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In that day, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh, male and female. You young men are going to see visions. Your old men, thank God for old men, are going are gonna to dream dreams. And upon my, on that day, I'm going to pour my spirit about, on your handmaidens, upon your men. Everybody's going to get filled. Everybody's a candidate. And it was a game changer for me getting filled with the Holy Spirit, realizing there's not one day, break it down, there's not one moment of my life where God's not there. Not just in the room, but in me. In me. Only God can do that. Reminded me that I don't face these battles by myself, I'm not alone. I'm never alone. He will never leave you or forsake you, not even to the ends of the earth. You don't have to follow him around the shores of Galilee hoping that maybe you can catch up to him somewhere. You don't need to call to him just on a throne in heaven. He's out there somewhere. No, you just have to look no further than acknowledging that he's on the inside of you in everything you're going through right now, every moment, every anxiety, every problem. He's there. He's with you. If you're not Pentecostal, what are you? It's a big question. They made fun of them. You got too much wine going on. <laughs> they think it's just about manifestations. And I've been in some meetings that, honestly, people were twirling. You, you think this is, like, some of the stuff is weird here. It's nothing. Uh, like, nothing. I've watched, uh, you know, people get out of their seat, twirl like a tornado, go down to the front, twirl all the way back. Couldn't do it in the natural. I watched this guy that sat next to me at Bible college who was quiet as a church mouse almost unfriendly, got up in, in a meeting, twirled all the way down to the front, came back, and was totally changed, totally changed. I watched somebody in a, a wheelchair while this mother starts screaming. Uh, this guy's up the front preaching, this Af African guy, and, and everybody's like, shut up, just shut up. This woman's going off the Richter chart. She's screaming. Find out later her five-year-old who had never walked was totally healed. Nobody even touched him. It was the Holy Spirit that did it. And God rebuked this Pharisee here for getting upset about the woman screaming. It's like, if that was your son and he'd never walked and he's bound in a wheelchair and he was totally healed, do you think you would hold it in? What is wrong with you? See, we're afraid of weird. But weird is often wonderful. I'll dare us judge manifestations of what's going on in somebody else's heart. We're not walking in their shoes. We need to lighten up. We're taking ourselves so seriously. I would say this, loose is way better than frozen. I'd rather be loose as a goose when it comes to God, sing my heart out even though it might not sound all that great to somebody else. God, it sounds really good to God. That's my boy. He can sing. Don't you say anything other than that. Loose is better. The Bible's full of weird and wonderful, but, but the focus on manifestations when it comes to Pentecost is to miss the whole point. Some have just put it down to tongues, as if Pentecost equals tongues, and that's, that's it. You've got to be kidding me. Tongues is fantastic, but that's not the only thing. Sing in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing into one another in hymns, in psalms, in spiritual songs unto God. What a great manifestation of being filled with the Spirit that is. Lift up holy hands to God. Uh, I, you know, we could go on with that, but it's, Pentecost is not manifestations. What does it mean, though? Well, it means this. 
Pentecost is about the person of God filling you for his purpose. Pentecost is that intimacy between you and your creator at any time. Pentecost is about what God wants to do for his purpose through you. Pentecost can be walking across the room and just encouraging somebody and let the let the, the enthusiasm, the entheos come out of you into that person. It's not just, I've seen me, I've seen people speak in tongues and be so mean-spirited. I remember when I first became a Christian, I had Bibles out. I was at a Denny's restaurant in America. Had all my Bibles out there. I was doing a personal devotion, drinking lots of coffee. This guy sees it, comes over. Oh, man, like, wow, what are you reading here? Bible? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So I sure am. Speaking tongues? Yep, I do. He goes, well, come on out in the, in the van with me, and let's speak in tongues together. And we go out, and he was part of this, it's called the Way International. It's weird. But anyway, we get in his van, he starts chain smoking and, and preaching at me and wanting to argue. I know what he was filled with, but it wasn't the same spirit that I was filled with. He was filled with smoke. Most miserable person, you know, want to argue. I'm thinking, man, I'm all, I, I speak in tongues, okay? You win. I, I agree with you. That's not the only thing, though, when it comes to being Pentecostal. So what's the major meaning of Pentecost? Pentecost is amazing because you've got, personally got God as your teacher, your guide, your counselor. You've got not just God in the room right now, but on the inside of you. Pentecost will cause your before picture <laughs> to pale with your after picture. God, God is amazing. There should be a noticeable difference in you because of Pentecost. So I look at Peter, and he, he's radically changed. He, he goes from, you know, this, this guy that kind of relying on luck. But then Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up. This is after Peter gets filled with the Spirit. Peter stood up. I love that. Something about Pentecost should cause you to stand up. Peter stood up with the 11, and he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. He said, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. These people, verse 15, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I've already quoted that I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Young men are going to see visions. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Even on my servants and men and women, I'll pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. You'll speak forth what God, what's, what God puts in, in your heart. You'll declare that out into your world. Well, what would it look like with no Pentecost? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? Number one, we're going to fly through this. Number one, because of Pentecost, you have the personal presence of God. Now, we've already talked a fair bit about this, but everyone, Acts 2 says, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I like the fact that we have mobile phones today because I don't have to wait in line at a pay phone to make a phone call. You remember those days if you're older, when before mobile phones? It was like, oh, goodness me. If you had a teenager in the house, you got one phone. I, you, you need to get off, get off the phone now because I've, I've got to make a phone call. The only thing is back then I was the teenager. <laughs> and the phone would ring. And, and these three words, you won't hear it today, hardly. Three words that... Back then, you'd hear it, but you don't hear it today. Oh, it's for you. It's, it's for you. Today, it's like we've all got our own personal phone. I'm not going to answer the phone and go, it's for you. It's like, what? What are they ringing you for if it's for me? It's for you. Back in the day before Pentecost, it was kind of like that. He's, it's for you. You've got to hear what he has to say. No, no, no. Now, you have God inside. It's, it's better than a mobile phone. He's talking to you personally. Are you listening? He wants to talk to you personally about everything you're going through, every opportunity. 
everything. If it wasn't for you back then, you'd say, well, it's, it's for you. Pentecost, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone, none of us has to go through anybody else. Anytime, anywhere, you got Almighty God to turn to on the inside of you. How good is that? God's in you right now if you're filled with the Spirit. Number two, because of Pentecost, number two, you are powerful. I don't feel powerful. I, I, I love the fact that today the world is fixated with power. If you're a DC fan, you know you've got Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> and if you're a Marvel fan, which I'm not anymore, I got kind of tired of Marvel movies. You got Spider-Man, Captain America, the Hulk, Doctor Strange, he is strange, Thor. But God gives us something of his power, each one of us a personal power to do what you can't do. Only because he's in you. Again, if you're not Pentecostal, what are you? Number one, you're without power. You don't have the personal presence. You're always trying to call God up, get him on the throne somehow to answer. No, you don't have to do that. No Pentecost, no power. Without Pentecost, you're left to your own power. Look at Luke 24, 49, if it comes up. I'm going to send, this Jesus talking, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city after you have been clothed with what? Power from on high. Again, you know, Acts chapter 1-8, you will receive what? Power. The word power is dunamis. Most of you know that. It's where we get the word dynamite from. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The word witness needs, means to be a martyr. See, you can, you can witness, you can win an argument, you can argue with people without the Holy Spirit, without power. You might win an argument. God's called us to win people, not arguments. And the only way that you're going to be the witness is if the power of God, if the Holy Spirit fills you, now they're going to look at you and go, Wow. Something different about you. I don't know what it is. You, you don't argue. You don't have to argue. You just live it. People that are arguing, like the guy smoking cigarettes and bullabagita, you know, argue and argue and argue. Anything but a witness. He was just a win argument guy. I determined I'm not going to be that guy. I would like to think that people could look at me in the middle of whatever situation that I'm facing, and you might want to think that way as well, and they can look at you, and I don't know. You've got something. You've got power. You've got the presence of God. You must be one of those Pentecostals. You know, I'm yelling, getting excited. I can't. How in the world do you talk about power? Power. You must be a Pentecostal. I think preachers... Preachers preaching about power and Pentecost. You got to preach that a little bit. Come on. So you can witness without the Holy Spirit, but you can't be a witness without the Holy Spirit. If you're not Pentecostal, what are you? Ephesians 1.19, listen to this out of the Passion Translation. I pray, Paul talking, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of what? Of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power. Listen to Ephesians 2, 7 out of the Passion. It says, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness which was shown upon us in Jesus Christ. The devil can convince you that all that it means to be Pentecostal is to speak in tongues or to be part of a weird group of people that meets on Sunday, some label, if that's your identity, if, if he can convince you that there's no power in being personally filled with the person of God, if he can convince you that, then you will walk around a, a powerless doormat, a salt without savor. You will be nothing more than just a big target saying, devil, come and pick on me. I determined that wasn't going to happen in my life. I, I sought God everywhere. I'd go to conferences, wait, drive nine hours, go to a conference, 
run to get the front seat. I just wanted to be as close to what was going on as possible. I would usher for people if they had some power and some healing was going down. I would be there. I'm going to be a catcher. You need some, you need another catcher? I think we got another. No, you need another catcher. I'm going to be a catcher. I would get as close to the power and presence of God as I could possibly get. I want to pick that up in my life. So Pentecostal people, Pentecostal people, what are they? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? Oh, i got to fly through this. you got the personal presence of God. you got the power of God. Uh, you will go anywhere to reach anyone. Sometimes that anywhere can put you in what most people would say danger. Been to some dangerous places, but Jesus is the first fruit of many brethren, so there's a whole harvest to come in. In fact, the very Pentecost was celebrated at the wheat harvest. It really is about people coming to Christ. The display of God in you should be attractive and a witness to people that don't know him that you got something. I need to find him and give my life to Jesus Christ. Pentecost is about go anywhere to reach anybody kind of people, souls being saved. Uh, I think that's number four. Number five, number five, you are devoted. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. going to close now. Uh, they devoted themselves. Notice they devoted themselves. There was a time where people had to pester me about church, meetings, doing Bible studies, doing all that. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all, all of a sudden now, I devoted myself. I realized nobody's going to do this for me. Nobody should do this for me. God would prompt me and say, come on, like you're going to spend some time with me this morning or you're just going to fly off to work? You're going to get into the Bible? You're going to walk across the room and share Christ with somebody? God, God on the inside of you means that you now devote yourself to that. You are more devoted than ever. What does it mean to be Pentecostal? Where, where are you without Pentecost? With Pentecost, you're devoted. Number six, you see the supernatural. I've seen the supernatural, but I don't clamor after the supernatural. We used to call them rubbernecks in Tulsa because whoever would come to town that had a supernatural ministry, the place would be packed. What were people looking for? A sign and a wonder? Jesus says, there's no sign going to be given. You're an adulterous generation. The only sign you're going to get is just as uh, uh, Jonah was in the, the belly of, uh, of the fish for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be. Quit. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. But boy, signs and wonders will follow you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I've, I've got a lot of things that I've seen that are quite supernatural. I'm sure that you do too. Number seven, you become generous. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who is in need. Today, current affair, 60 minutes, they'd be flying over your house. They'd say, flying over here, what a cult. You did what? You became that generous? Yeah. The Holy Spirit makes you a generous person. He's on the inside of you. Number eight, you value communi community, verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together. <laughs> oh, no, Sundays. Just a bit too much meeting together once a week. Every day. They continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Dinner party plug. They ate together. Another, another dinner party plug. With glad and sincere hearts. They needed to get together. Iron sharpens iron. Get their faith. Get, get, get the uh, reinstatement uh, of their belief. Get their passport, Pentecostal passport stamp. Number nine, you are favored. We're going to probably finish with this. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. What does it mean to be Pentecost? You are highly favored. What's the result of that? People are getting saved because you're a witness. They can look at you. They can see God through you, in you. That, that's the calling card of God. People are going to get saved because we are representing him or representing him. Pentecost isn't just an experience. Pentecost is everything. 
I see people misrepresenting God. And if people don't like me because of Jesus, that's okay. But if people don't like Jesus because of me, that's a problem. So what is Pentecost about? I got God on the inside of me, therefore I can represent him really well. If I'm not representing him really well, it's probably because I'm ignoring him or I'm not filled with his presence or something's wrong if I'm misrepresenting him and I'm spirit-filled. You can't be spirit-filled. You can't be Pentecost. Just substitute the word Pentecost for spirit-filled. You can't be spirit-filled, filled with the very spirit of God and go out and misrepresent God. You're going to represent him. People might not like you as a result of that. I don't know. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to pray. We're finished. I like the worship team. You guys are afraid to come up now? (laughs) Are you ready this morning? If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, I want you to get in a posture right now, just in the few minutes that we've got left here. If you are filled, but you just haven't been acknowledging him, you've, look, I know I've been there, shared this at the prayer meeting, 9 a.m. today. It's all consumed with some of the things I got on my plate, riding my bike, trying to clear my head, and God said, stop, get off the bike, which I did. He said, why are you doing life without me? I'm like, what? Yeah, why are you living without me? Uh, uh, then I realized I was. Where am I? You're in me. Then why are you grappling with all these problems, issues, decisions you got to make? You're just like Peter before. Roll the dice, trying to... So I repented. I said, God, I'm sorry. Pentecost is not a denomination, guys. It's not a label. It's not the name of some church. It's what God did. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's not walking around down here in a physical body. He sent His Spirit, another of the same kind, to live in you every moment of every day. You don't take a walk with the problems by yourself. Acknowledge God's on the inside of it. What what do you want us to do, Holy Spirit, as we're walking? What do you want us to do about this problem, this decision that I've got to make, this burden, whatever it is that got you down right now? Are you doing it by yourself? Are you walking with Him? Aware. (laughs) This is not a religion. Oh, no. This is power. This is presence. It's authority as well. So whatever you're putting up with right now, chances are you've kind of forgotten. Maybe you put Pentecost as some kind of a thing. Did that, spoke in tongues way back in 1977. Whoopie doop. <laughs> what are you doing now? Oh, God. Oh, God, I know. I know God's speaking to some people right now. Good. Why don't we just personally repent, change our thinking? If you're doing it alone, you're living as if He's not there. You know he's there. You've asked him into your heart. You've asked him to fill you. Maybe it's time just to say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm going to plug in. I'm I'm going to be aware of who you are on the inside of me at work. Come on. Not just in a church worship service. At work, with my family, with my kids, every business decision. You want to know the best business decisions you're ever going to make? Make them with God. Look on the inside of you and say, God, what do you want to do with this? You're the senior partner of my life. What are we going to do, God? Now, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? You've got to change your vocabulary. Change your, your thinking. Hallelujah. Oh, so good. So good to be Pentecostal. 
Not a label, not a tag. The presence of God. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? I'm going to pray for you. Oh, this just sounds too good to be true. Well, it would if it wasn't true, but it is true. I know. Taste and see. The only way you're ever going to know is to let God fill you with his spirit and walk in that. Hallelujah! Come on, church. Come on, church. Let me pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, you're an old wineskin. You're not fit to be filled with him until you give your heart to him. You become a new creation. Brand new creation. God can't fill the old wineskin. You got to be brand new. And then you're a candidate to be filled with his presence. So, Father, I thank you right now for everybody here that doesn't know you. If that's you right now and you want to be a new creation in Christ, then I want you to say this prayer with me, and I want you to mean it. Say this, Dear God in heaven, I ask Jesus to give me a brand new life. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you. Now, if you've done that, God's honored that. He wants to fill you with his spirit. So right now, lift your hands to heaven right now. Let's just get filled afresh with the spirit of God. You think, oh, I don't know what God's going to do. Let him do whatever he wants to do. I really don't care. If you want to twirl, speak in tongues, sing, you do whatever God's leading you to do from the inside out, though, not from the outside in. So I want you to say this after me. Say, Father, fill me now. Did everybody say that? Everybody should. Because you're not going to be filled passively. God's not going to intrude. He's not going to break the door down of your heart to get to you. you got to open the door. Anybody that knocks, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. Anybody that opens the door, I'll come in. Don't open the door. He's not coming in. He's like a dove. Dove doesn't stay. You're just going to swap the dove off like a fly. You have to invite him in. Say this again. Come on, raise your hands. Come on. You can't. How could you live without the Spirit of God dwelling big on the inside of you? How can you possibly live? I hate religion, stinking religion. Go out that door, never come back here in Jesus' name. I want you to say this after me Father, fill me right now with your presence with your person i am filled with the holy ghost and power i am pentecostal hallelujah oh come on church somebody come on thank you for listening to the city church podcast if you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.